Today is June 17th. This is Verses in Flow. I'm Jennifer. Thank you so much for being here with me today. This is the podcast where we read through the Bible in a year, we become the best versions of ourselves, and we just get our lives together day by day. Now, we're going to jump in in just a moment here. I just want to give you a very quick overview of what we have coming up. In 1 Kings, we have an epic showdown between the prophet Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And then over in Acts, we find Peter defending his actions and sharing the gospel with the Gentiles. It really is a beautiful picture of the early church leaning in and learning to embrace people from all walks of life, breaking down barriers and uniting under the banner of Christ. We see that the message of Jesus is for everybody, no matter what their background or past. And now we're going to get right into it because I have something special, something a little different for you at the end. 1 Kings chapter 18, Christian Standard Bible, Elijah's message to Ahab. After a long time, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. Go and present yourself to Ahab. I will send rain on the surface of the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. The famine was severe in Samaria. Ahab called for Obadiah, who was in charge of the palace. Obadiah was a man who greatly feared the Lord and took a hundred prophets and hid them, fifty men to a cave, and provided them with food and water when Jezebel slaughtered the Lord's prophets. Ahab said to Obadiah, Go throughout the land, to every spring and to every wadi. Perhaps we'll find grass so we can keep the horses and mules alive and not have to destroy any cattle. They divided the land between them in order to cover it. Ahab went one way by himself, and Obadiah went the other way by himself. While Obadiah was walking along the road, Elijah suddenly met him. When Obadiah recognized him, he fell face down and said, Is it you, my lord Elijah? It is I, he replied. Go tell your lord, Elijah is here. But Obadiah said, What sin have I committed that you are handing your servant over to Ahab to put me to death? As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my Lord has not sent someone to search for you. When they said, He is not here, he made that kingdom or nation swear they had not found you. Now you say, Go tell your Lord Elijah is here, but when I leave you, the Spirit of the Lord may carry you off to some place I don't know. Then when I go report to Ahab and he doesn't find you, he will kill me. But I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Wasn't it reported to my Lord what I did when Jezebel slaughtered the Lord's prophets? I hid a hundred of the prophets of the Lord, fifty men to a cave, and I provided them with food and water. Now you say, go tell your Lord, Elijah is here. He will kill me. Then Elijah said, as the Lord of armies lives, in whose presence I stand, Today I will present myself to Ahab. Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him. Then Ahab went to meet Elijah. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is that you, the one ruining Israel? He replied, I have not ruined Israel, but you and your father's family have, because you have abandoned the Lord's commands and followed the Baals. Now summon all Israel to meet me at Mount Carmel, along with the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Elijah at Mount Carmel So Ahab summoned all the Israelites and gathered the prophets at Mount Carmel. 
Then Elijah approached all the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people didn't answer him a word. Then Elisha said to the people, I am the only remaining prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us. They are to choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, and place it on the wood, but not light the fire. I will prepare the other bull and place it on the wood, but not light the fire. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers with fire, he is God. All the people answered, that's fine. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, since you are so numerous, choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first. Then call on the name of your God, but don't light the fire. So they took the bull that he gave them, prepared it, and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Baal, answer us. But there was no sound, no one answered. Then they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah mocked them. He said, Shout loudly, for he's a god. Maybe he's thinking it over. Maybe he has wandered away. Or maybe he's on the road. Perhaps he's sleeping and will wake up. They shouted loudly and cut themselves with knives and spears according to their custom until blood gushed over them. All afternoon, they kept on raving until the offering of the evening sacrifice, but there was no sound. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near me. So all the people approached him. Then he repaired the Lord's altar that had been torn down. Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel will be your name, and he built an altar with the stones in the name of the Lord. Then he made a trench around the altar, large enough to hold about four gallons. Next, he arranged the wood, cut up the bull, and placed it on the wood. He said, Fill four water pots with water and pour it on the offering to be burned and on the wood. Then he said, A second time. And they did it a second time. And then he said, A third time. And they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar. He even filled the trench with water. At the time for offering the evening sacrifice, the prophet Elijah approached the altar and said, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that at your word I have done all these things. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so that this people will know that you, the Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the Lord's fire fell and consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones, and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell face down and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Then Elijah ordered them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let even one of them escape. So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the Wadi Kishon and slaughtered them there. Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat, and drink, for there is the sound of a rainstorm. So Ahab went to eat and drink. But Elijah went up to the summit of Carmel. 
He bent down on the ground and put his face between his knees. Then he said to his servant, Go up and look toward the sea. So he went up, looked, and said, There's nothing. Seven times Elijah said, Go back. On the seventh time he reported, There's a cloud as small as a man's hand coming up from the sea. Then Elijah said, Go and tell Ahab, get your chariot ready and go down so the rain doesn't stop you. In a little while, the sky grew dark with clouds and wind, and there was a downpour. So Ahab got in his chariot and went to Jezreel. The power of the Lord was on Elijah, and he tucked his mantle under his belt and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Acts chapter 11 Gentile salvation defended. The apostles and the brothers and sisters who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. When Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them? Peter began to explain to them step by step. I was in the town of Joppa praying, and I saw in a trance an object that resembled a large sheet coming down, being lowered by its four corners from heaven, and it came to me. When I looked closely and considered it, I saw the four-footed animals of the earth, the wild beasts, the reptiles, and the birds of the sky. I also heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. No, Lord, I said, for nothing impure or ritually unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a voice answered from heaven a second time, What God has made clean, you must not call impure. Now this happened three times, and everything was drawn up again into heaven. At that very moment, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were. The Spirit told me to accompany them with no doubts at all. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we went into the man's house. He reported to us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and call for Simon, who is also named Peter. He will speak a message to you by which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came down on them, just as on us at the beginning. I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he also gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, how could I possibly hinder God? When they heard this, they became silent and they glorified God, saying, So then, God has given repentance resulting in life even to the Gentiles, the church in Antioch. Now those who had been scattered as a result of the persecution that started because of Stephen made their way as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also, proclaiming the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. News about them reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to travel as far as Antioch. 
When he arrived and saw the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with devoted hearts, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and large numbers of people were added to the Lord. Then he went to Tarsus to search for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught large numbers. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Famine Relief In those days, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and predicted by the Spirit that there would be a severe famine throughout the Roman world. This took place during the reign of Claudius. Each of the disciples, according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brothers and sisters who lived in Judea. They did this, sending it to the elders by means of Barnabas and Saul. Psalm 135, the Lord is great. Hallelujah, praise the name of the Lord. Give praise, you servants of the Lord, who stand in the house of the Lord in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praise to his name, for it is delightful. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel, as his treasured possession. For I know that the Lord is great. Our Lord is greater than all gods. The Lord does whatever he pleases in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all the depths. He causes the clouds to rise from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain and brings the wind from his storehouses. He struck down the firstborn of Egypt, both people and animals. He sent signs and wonders against you, Egypt, against Pharaoh and all his officials. He struck down many nations and slaughtered mighty kings. Sihon, king of the Amorites, Og, king of Bashan, and all the kings of Canaan. He gave their land as an inheritance, an inheritance to his people Israel. Lord, your name endures forever, your reputation, Lord, through all generations. For the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants. The idols of the nations are of silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear. Indeed, there is no breath in their mouths. Those who make them are just like them, as are all who trust in them. House of Israel, bless the Lord. House of Aaron, bless the Lord. House of Levi, bless the Lord. You who revere the Lord, bless the Lord. Blessed be the Lord from Zion. He dwells in Jerusalem. Hallelujah. Proverbs chapter 17 verses 12 and 13. Better for a person to meet a bear robbed of her cubs than a fool in his foolishness. If anyone returns evil for good, evil will never depart from his house. Okay, y'all, let's have a little story time. The title of this tale is The Drought and the Duel, A Battle for Truth. In the arid lands of ancient Israel, a great drought cast its shadow, leaving the land parched and barren. But this was no mere natural phenomenon. It was a divine judgment, a consequence of Israel's betrayal. Their idolatrous worship had provoked the Almighty, 
and the rain had been withheld for three long, grueling years. At the heart of this turmoil stood King Ahab, a man ensnared by the enchanting allure of Baal, the so-called god of weather, storms, and fertility. Ahab's marriage to Jezebel, a princess of Sidon and a devoted follower of Baal, only deepened their nation's spiritual descent. Together, Ahab and Jezebel had led Israel astray, abandoning the worship of Yahweh, the one true God. They championed the cause of Baal and Asherah, his companion, while spilling the blood of countless prophets who dared to stand in their way. Amidst the chaos, one man had survived, a lone prophet named Elijah. For three years, he had hidden in the wilderness, waiting for the divine call to confront Ahab, to expose the false idols, and to restore the faith of a wayward nation. And so, the day arrived. Elijah appeared before Ahab, who, in his desperation, blamed the prophet for the troubles befalling Israel. But Elijah, unyielding and resolute, declared that it was not he who brought ruin upon the land. No, it was Ahab and his family, with their abandonment of Yahweh's commands, who had brought this devastation upon their people. In a bold move, Elijah proposed a contest, a grand spectacle that would reveal the truth to all who witnessed it. He challenged Ahab to gather the people of Israel, along with the prophets of Baal and Asherah, upon the sacred Mount Carmel. On that mountaintop, the stage was set for an extraordinary showdown. Two altars stood side by side, two offerings prepared, yet not a single flame in sight. Elijah's voice rang out across the assembled multitude as he laid down the rules of engagement. Each side would call upon their respective deity, beseeching them to send down fire from the heavens and consume the offerings. The God who answered, who proved himself with an inferno of divine flames, would be acknowledged as the one true God of Israel. Ahab, compelled by curiosity or perhaps a lingering glimmer of faith, accepted the challenge. The people of Israel gathered, their hearts heavy with anticipation, their spirits yearning for a sign of divine intervention. In the ancient world, a drought held profound symbolism. It signified more than a lack of rain, more than parched fields and cracked earth. It represented a severance, a disconnection from the source of life and meaning. Rain was seen as a blessing, a revelation, a manifestation of God's favor and communication with his chosen people. But a drought? Ah, a drought was a harbinger of despair. It spoke of a nation adrift, caught in a state of moral decay and spiritual desolation. Israel had forsaken their covenant, forgotten their true identity as a holy nation and a royal priesthood. They had succumbed to the allure of Baal, a false god who promised power and prosperity in exchange for blind loyalty and obedience. Baal, the embodiment of human tendencies, worshiping the created over the creator, Embracing the material over the spiritual, seeking security over adventure, and conforming to societal norms over the pursuit of truth. But God, ever compassionate, had not given up on Israel. He loved them still, yearning for their return, their repentance. 
And so he dispatched Elijah, his faithful messenger, to confront Ahab and the prophets of Baal to awaken their slumbering souls. The duel began, a clash of faiths, an epic confrontation between the true God and the counterfeit deity. The prophets of Baal desperately called upon their God, chanting, dancing, even resorting to self-inflicted wounds, yet no answer came. Elijah, unyielding in his conviction, dared to demonstrate the futility of Baal's followers. He soaked his offering, his altar, and even the very ground beneath it with water, leaving no room for trickery or deceit. With a resolute prayer, Elijah summoned the power of Yahweh, the God of Israel, and in a blaze of glory, his consuming fire descended from the heavens, devouring the soaked wood, the stones, the dust, and even the water itself. The people of Israel, their eyes opened wide, beheld the irrefutable evidence before them. The true God had triumphed. They fell to their knees, overwhelmed with awe, their hearts stirred with repentance and a renewed faith. But for how long? This story, dear listeners, is not merely a tale of ancient lore. It is timeless. It is history. It is a testament to the struggle between genuine faith and misguided superstition. It beckons us to examine our own hearts, our own allegiances, and the idols we unknowingly embrace. In the contest on Mount Carmel, Elijah displayed unwavering trust in God's power, a belief that could not be swayed by ritual or manipulation. He understood that true faith demanded a surrender to divine will, not an attempt to control the Almighty God. Baal, with all his false promises of power and prosperity, faded into insignificance. His counterfeit authority crumbled beneath the weight of truth, revealing him for what he truly was, a god of falsehood, death, and, well, a construct of imagination. And so, friends, let us learn from this ancient duel. Let us discern the difference between genuine faith and empty rituals. I'm not coming for you crystal carriers or sage smugglers. I'm just saying, may we turn away from assigning power to inanimate objects or things that have no power in and of themselves and embrace the true source of life, meaning, healing, and all that is virtuous. And as we embark on our own journeys, may we seek truth, embrace reality, and remain steadfast in our pursuit of what is right and just. Join me next time as we delve deeper into the annals of history, unearthing timeless wisdom and unraveling the mysteries of our collective past. Until then, remember, truth is a fire that cannot be extinguished and faith is the compass that guides us through the darkest nights. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you with humble hearts and grateful spirits as we reflect on this story of the droughts and the duel on Mount Carmel. Lord, we lay ourselves bare before your throne, acknowledging our own shortcomings and the distractions that often hinder our connection with you. Lord, we ask right now that you would help us to release the grip of false idols that have ensnared us. Lord, we surrender them to you, whatever they are, asking for your forgiveness and your mercy. Lord, strip away every hindrance that keeps us from fully trusting in your perfect plan for our lives. Guide us, Lord. 
in our individual journeys of discovery lead us to a deeper understanding of your ways, drawing us even closer to your heart. Lord, empower us to experience your presence in our daily lives, leaning on our faith to navigate the storms that come our way. Lord, touch our hearts, calm our minds, and revive our spirits. Stir within us a new hunger to examine our lives, to abandon anything that has no place there, Lord, and help us to fully embrace the abundant, overflowing life you promised us. Lord, we thank you for your unfailing love, your perfect love, and your boundless grace. May your truth radiate brightly and brilliantly in our lives, drawing us closer to your divinity. Lord, in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus, we ask all of these things. Amen. And our affirmation, my past does not define me. I have the power to create a new present and future filled with joy and prosperity. My past does not define me. I have the power to create a new present and future filled with joy and prosperity. And our aphorism, the battles we wage within are the silent wars that sculpt our character, where our inner conflicts become the chisel that carves out the masterpiece of our truest selves. That is all I have for you today. Thank you for being on this amazing adventure with me. You belong here, and we belong together on this journey. I love you, and if God says the same, I'll be right here tomorrow waiting for you.